Well, I vote that uh, we don't have preaching. We just have the Combs family sing. Can I get an amen on that one? Man, that is good stuff. Now, I clicked that little thing. I don't hear myself. Am I on? Can you hear me? Okay. Any, who's doing the monitor? Can I get just a hair more so I don't kill myself? You got me? There you go. The monitor man. I've learned one of the most valuable people in the church are these people right here. I'm telling you. It is a joy to be here. My goodness, Brother Combs, where are you at? Did you already leave us? It is a sin to have a voice that good, isn't it? I'm telling you, man, I, I, I wish I could sing that high. And, of course, uh, that's your son there, too, right? Phenomenal, great, great. I love music. Uh, I sang in the Singing Men of Temple back when I was in college and uh, enjoy it. I tell our choir, we have a 70-voice choir, and we're like the Brooklyn Tab. That's kind of how we do things around at Mikado Baptist. And I say, listen, sing with your face. And I'm not the choir director. But I watched you because you sing with joy, Brother Combs. You do. Your family does too. But you lock in on somebody who not only just practices it by their voice, but with their face. And so I encourage you, you know, when you don't go up to somebody when you greet them and, sir, what's your name? Hey, Matt, how you doing? Good to meet you. Yeah, my pleasure. Now, I don't ever open a service like this, but the truth of the matter is you don't go up and greet somebody. And, you know, you ought to greet somebody and say, hey, Matt, good to see you, man. I'm not talking about being weird, strange, or whatever, but show it on your face. Be real, you know. That's what people want to see in Christianity. They want to see authenticity. That's what they want to see. Because they've heard a lot of fakes. They've heard a lot of people. They've watched people that have basically just blown it in their life, and they don't want Christianity because of that. But I tell people all the time, and it's not original with me, just because your car breaks down doesn't mean you stop driving. Just because you have fat people in the gym doesn't mean that you, they're all hypocrites, all right? Are you with me? Let me tell you, friends, there, is pe there are people out there who need you in this city to be real. And I'm telling you, I love it. Thanks for the music. It is so easy to sing with good music. And the group up here before great job. Thank you for leading them and just tremendous. It is so good to be here. Um, I drove from Macon today. I uh, left to four hours and uh, uh, well I left about 12. Got here a little bit earlier about four o'clock and I'll drive home tonight. Afterwards I didn't want to give up a day of work tomorrow while this man fishes but anyway and uh, I did go hunting last night for, for you hunters. I did get a deer last night uh, in my stand and uh, had a, a family help me out. A little girl about five years old was helping me track the deer and her brother was behind. It was a lot of fun. But anyway, I'm an outdoorsman. I enjoy it. Your pastor preached a flat-out phenomenal message, which you know he can preach. Somebody gave him a, church, a shirt tonight that said preach hard or something like that. But uh, you don't have to tell Brian Sam to do that. But he preached a message that was flat-out incredible, one of the shortest gospel accounts that I've ever heard a preacher give. And we had many people say there were over 600 people there at our wild game dinner, and God just brought the house down. Thank you so much for being used of God, Brian. I pray for your preacher every day. I don't say that bragging, but God laid it on my heart over a year ago to start praying for Brian Sams. And every day your name gets called, along with Kurt Skelly and several others. And uh, I want you to know that this is a special man of God. He didn't pay me to say that in any way. And the bottom line is, I'm thankful, Brian, for your friendship. I'm thankful for what God's doing here. I want to be an encouragement to you tonight. I got to meet Tyler. Tyler, where are you? Uh, Tyler, thank you so much for uh, letting me spend some time with you today. I heard he preached one of the best messages on the tongue uh, the other night in James. And uh, thank you for being used of God. Take your Bibles, go to Daniel chapter number 6. Two of my favorite characters in the Bible are Daniel and Joseph. These weren't perfect men, just guys who made a decision early on in their life, I believe, to serve God. Now, if I took a poll tonight and I asked you how many of you like to get rewards, everybody would raise their hand. The bottom line is there's three types of rewards. There is a, a, a verbal award. I could go up to this man right here and, sir, what's your name? Bill, I could say, Bill, man, it is a pleasure, and I've never met you in my life before, but I could say, Bill, it is a pleasure to meet you, and, and I just want to tell you how much you mean to me in the short few minutes that I've gotten to know you. Everybody likes to be affirmed, so you have a verbal award. There's a number two kind of award there. It's a visible award. I got some of these when I was in, in sports, and uh, I would get a trophy maybe at the end of, so of soccer season, the end of football season, baseball season, whatever. And so whenever you got a visible award, it was either a trophy, a plaque, or a certificate that says, hey, you did a good job. My favorite kind of award is not a verbal award or a visible award. It's a valuable award. In other words, that means I'm going to get a bonus. That means I'm going to get some kind of check or something. And the truth of the matter is, whether it was a visible award, a valuable award, or a verbal award, it's because of this. 
during that time in your life, you had one major character quality that was evident. If you didn't have that, friends, you would have never received a visible award. You would have never received a, a verbal award or a valuable award. In fact, if you didn't have that quality, you probably wouldn't have received anything. You don't have it in your job, you're going to get fired eventually. If you don't have it in school, you're going to fail. If you don't have it in your marriage, it's going to be a mess. I mean, all of these things are qualities, my friends, all these areas that if you don't have this one quality in your life, you're not going to make it. It's the quality of faithfulness. And the truth is, no matter if you're sitting on the front row, no matter if you're 75 plus years old, no matter if you're 10 years old, everybody can be faithful. Everybody. I want you to look at the Word of God, please, in Daniel chapter 6. It's one of my favorite passages, as I said. And I want you to follow along with me in Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to see verse number 1. Again, this is such a familiar character in Scripture. You know him, but I want you to see him again tonight. Daniel 6, 1. It pleased Darius to sit over the kingdom, 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Verse 3. Then this Daniel, get it now, was preferred. Now, when I read Scripture, I don't want to just read Scripture and just fly through it, even though I speak very fast. Sometimes you just got to park and soak. And when you read the Word of God, don't read it so fast that you miss specifics in it. You say, what are you talking about? Every single year, we have a Christmas at Mikado, and obviously all churches generally have some Christmas thing that they do. And the Christmas avocado is big. We'll have 2,000-plus people come through our church, and it's just a huge event, and obviously people are coming, and we'll have the kids, you know, come. Whenever you have kids, by the way, involved in a Christmas event, it's always good because they, they bring parents, they bring grandparents, they bring people that generally won't come if you have kids involved. So we do. And our kids all sit on the front rows generally before they come up on stage. Now, I sit on the front row as well. I sit there, my staff, another staff member sits there. We sit across from one another. I have another guy over here that sits over here, and he's kind of like a, a bodyguard. I don't need a bodyguard, but he kind of watches in case somebody's going to go crazy during the service. And, but anyway, so I sit right here. But at, at Christmas time, all the kids will sit there, and the moms will dress the girls in their frilly little Christmas outfits. I hate them. Now, I don't really hate them, but I'm, you're going to understand what I'm talking about because almost every single frilly Christmas outfit has something on it that leaves their outfit every time. Because every time that they sit in my seat right there, sir, where you're sitting, they always leave glitter. Man, have you ever got a Hallmark card and you open up that crazy thing and you got it all over your hands, sir, and when you wipe sweat, now you have glitter on your forehead and you look like a weirdo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they will leave glitter, and if I decide to sit there, after they sit there, and I sit there, and I'm wearing something black, guess what I got? I got glitter all over my rear end. Do you know what the word preferred means in this text? Then this Daniel was preferred, I'm serious, in the Hebrew, to glitter from afar. In other words, you could see and tell that Daniel was different. In other words, he stuck out in a group of people and a whole bunch of people. This Daniel was preferred. So let's keep rolling, if you will. This Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because, I love this, an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes, verse 4, sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. In Georgia, we have graveyards, and I've gotten ready for funerals before a graveside, and I've sometimes read some of the, the dates on there, and I've read the little sayings, you know, you figure out, boy, this was a young person, or this was an older person, and I don't know if they had graveyards like that back in Daniel's day, but I think if they did, and his family decided to do a tombstone for him, one word would be etched on it, the word faithful. Because in Daniel's life, faithfulness mattered. Father, I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to be here at River City Baptist Church. Thank you for my good friend, Brian, and God, what you're doing already. These people are wonderful. I've just been here Lord, less than an hour and a half and gotten to know many of them and just their kindness and their graciousness. But Lord, the bottom line is we're all humans. 
Lord, none of us are bulletproof, including this preacher, Lord. We all sin, we all battle things in our lives, but God, every single one of us can be faithful. Father, I pray that as we leave tonight, we'll make a decision in our lives once again to follow you until you call us home or we hear the trump sound. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. The word faithful, if you looked it up, means this, loyal, accurate, or reliable. Daniel was a man that was reliable. You say, how do you know that? Well, all you have to do is look in Scripture. You go to chapter 1, verse number 3, Daniel, or Nebuchadnezzar says, choose you out the best men among the children of Israel, and the king's lineage and the princes, they choose Daniel. You go to chapter 2, he interprets a dream for Nebuchadnezzar. You move to chapter 3, it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that many of us have heard. You go to chapter number 4, Daniel interprets another dream for Nebuchadnezzar. You go to chapter 5, he interprets the handwriting on the wall for Belshazzar. He tells him his days are numbered. And then you get to our chapter. And you think by this time, Daniel is about ready to give up and say, man, it's been tough, it's been hard. But no, he's just starting, my friend. Because I believe in Daniel's mind, he was going to keep on keeping for the Lord no matter what happened in his life. I'm a simple preacher, my friends. That's how I was brought up, and that's how I preach my people. I'm going to be simple tonight. I'm giving you two points. Number one, the requirements for faithfulness. What are the requirements for faithfulness? Number one, commitment. Here's what commitment says. Commitment says, I will do it. The word commitment simply means this. It means to, to, to not to be swayed or to bind is by a promise. You probably have seen a horse that is pulling a carriage. Sometimes they'll do it downtown and they'll have this husband and wife or this couple here, you know, that'll be going along there and they're looking at each other and looking at the stars, you know, and they're, they're enjoying it. And then you see the horse. Nobody pays attention to the horse. But the horse has two little black things that are besides his eyes. They're called blinders. There's a reason those are there. Because when that horse is going along, they don't want that horse to be distracted. They want it to stay focused on the road. A car honks a horn. They don't want that horse bolting. And then you've got all kind of problems, lawsuits, and you name it. So those blinders there are to keep it focused. I have a private pilot's license. I got it in 1989 when I was a youth pastor. One of the things that my, uh, my instructor taught me is there's, there's very, a critical thing you need to remember when you're coming in on a landing, and that is altitude and airspeed. In other words, Rusty, when you're flying that airplane, make sure that you are focused on the runway in front of you, that you know what's going on around you, because without it, if you're not committed, you may not walk away. Commitment says, I will do something. You say, what was Daniel committed to? A purpose. Now hit reverse, go to chapter 1, verse number 8. I love this. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Commitment says, I will do it. He was committed to a purpose. The word purpose there means to set or plant. When I was uh, in, uh, in a one church that I was a youth pastor at, I happened to be part of a football team and was one of the coaches, and we would teach our guys on the football team on the front line there that when you're on the line, we want you to make sure that your stance is proper. And so when you stand there, we want you to put your feet as close together as they can, and you bend over like this, and so when they hike the ball, then you'll have a great stance to take off and crush the guy in front of you. You say, that's ridiculous. If you stand like this in a football front line, you're going to get knocked over like a bowling pin in a bowling alley. We taught them to widen their stance. When they widened their stance and they could shoot off the ball there when it was hiked, therefore when they moved, they set, they planted where they were at so they wouldn't be knocked over. That's the word picture for purpose. Daniel said, I purposed in my heart that I'm not going to defile myself. What did he purpose to do? Number one, it's simple to do right. He said, I'm going to purpose in my heart and my life that I am going to do the right thing. That's tough in today's culture, isn't it? That's tough in today's world. Verse number seven, it's interesting. They changed all of their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, they changed all of their names. And I wrote down this. They changed what they were called, but they couldn't change their character. They changed their names, but they couldn't change their nature. And so I ask you, what has the world gotten you to do that you used to not do? What is it in your life that you said, hey, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to purpose in my life. And you find yourself doing the exact thing that you already purposed and said, I'm not going to do. 
He was, all, he was uh, committed to a purpose. He wanted to do what's right. Number two, he was committed to be right. Look in verse number six. Chapter one, verse six. The Bible uses a little phrase there. We're in chapter one again. It says, now among these. You say, that's just a, a little phrase there. Yeah, it is. You know what that means? There were other people around besides Daniel. Do you realize, sir, at work, there's other people around besides you? You know that. Do you realize, ma'am, at work, there's another person, people beside you? Do you realize, teenagers, college people, senior saints, wherever you go, there are people around you that are watching, and they were watching Daniel. Now among these, the Bible says. You say, preacher, I've heard this all my life. You know, what, what difference can I make? I'm just one person. You may have heard the illustration of the man who watched an old man on the beach he saw this old man bend over and he would make this kind of motion out to the, to the ocean and he'd walk down the beach a little more and he'd make this kind of motion out in the ocean. The guy that was up on the balcony, he was, he, I mean, it got the best of him. He said, man, I got to go find out what this guy's doing. So he goes down to the old man and, and he notices that the old man just bent down and, and, he, and he just threw something out in the ocean. He said, sir, what are you doing? He said, well, on this beach, all of these starfish have, have come ashore. He said, the tide has brought them in. He said, I, I'm just throwing these starfish back. And the guy said, but sir, there's, there's miles and miles of beaches. He said, there's hundreds of starfish. He said, possibly, what difference can you make? He said, the old man didn't miss a beat. He bent down and he picked up another starfish. He threw it back in the ocean. He said, it just made a difference to that one. I've heard people say, preacher, I can't make any difference in my life. Let me tell you, friend, if one person is influenced by your testimony, ma'am or sir, then thank God for it. And if nobody is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is watching every single thing that we do. Somebody's watching you, whether you wanted to or not. My youth pastor was Morris Gleister when I was at, in Providence Christian School in Brandon, Florida. He's an evangelist now, been, been there, been in evangelism for years. He said, my little son, Andy, was three years old and he was getting ready one day. He said, uh, he walked up to me. I was in a hurry to go, go preach, you know, in the youth group there. My little son, Andy, waddled into the bathroom where I was at. And he said, hey, Daddy. He said, I got on pants just like you. He said, I know, son. He said, man, you look sharp. He said, I pushed my son all the way, you know, because I had to get ready. I was shaving and stuff. He said, my boy waddles back just a little bit later. He says, hey, Daddy. He said, what, son? I got a shirt on just like you. He said, that looks good, son. Man, I'm proud of it. That, that looks sharp. You know, your mom dressed you well. He said, my son waddled off. He said, a few minutes later, my son waddled back, and he, and he came back. He said, hey, Daddy. He said, by now, it's getting a little old to me. He said, hey, Daddy. I said, what, son? He said, I got a tie on, just like you. I don't know if you'll know what ties are. I forgot what they are either, thank God. But anyway, he said, I got a tie on, just like you. He said, I know, son, you look sharp. He said, I'll never forget what my three-year-old son said that day. He said, hey, Daddy, what son? He said, I want to be just like you. He said, I stopped shaving. He said, that was something, but I'll never forget the second thing that he said. He said, does that make you proud of me? If somebody followed you last week, would Jesus be proud? If somebody came in your home tonight, would Jesus be proud at what he saw? If somebody followed you to work or school tomorrow, would Jesus be proud? You see, faithfulness is not that hard, but you've got to commit to it. You've got to say, God, I'm going to be committed to the person. I'm going to be committed to the purpose, and that purpose is the second point, the person. He was not only committed to a purpose, he was committed to a person. Chapter 2, verse 19, I want you to see this. Move forward, if you will, please. Commitment says, I will do it. How do you be faithful? It's commitment. You make a decision that you'll do it. Chapter 2, verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed himself and answered and said, Blessed be the name of Daniel forever and ever, for wisdom and might are mine. Now, if you followed along with me, that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says that he gave all the credit and all the glory to God. So when you say, I want to be committed to being faithful, commitment says, I'm going to be committed to a purpose, and I'm going to be committed, number two, to a person, and that person is God. I am going to be faithful. Let me ask you this. If somebody in your family asked to describe you tonight, would they say that you're faithful? Hudson Taylor gave an invitation one time, and he said, uh, I gave an invitation, he said, for, for people to go to China. He said, nobody showed up. We sang several hymns of Just As I Am, and nobody came forward. He said, uh, 
He said, finally, a man started coming down the aisle he said we were almost done and he was on crutches and I could tell that that his pant leg was was tied up right here and he didn't have a a leg from here on down and he said the man kind of walked up there it was slow and he came up to me and he said sir I'd like to go to China (laughs) and Hudson Taylor said he caught me off guard I said well sir he said "Uh, you, you only have one leg Hudson Taylor said the man looked at me and said but I don't see anybody with two good legs willing to go I ask your friend what's your excuse I mean, I'm serious. I ask you, when you think about it, I've heard so many people in the Word of God, and I have a list here. When you think about the people in the Word of God that, that God used, Moses, uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, couldn't speak real well. He said, I'm not eloquent. I don't know if he stuttered or not, but I'm sure he wasn't real fun to listen to. David's armor didn't fit. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Uh, Solomon was rich. God used him. Abraham was old. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. Hello. God still used him. Naomi was a widow. Paul and Moses were murderers. Jonah ran from God. Gideon Thomas and Thomas both doubted. Elijah was burned out. John the Baptist was loud. Martha was a worry wart. Did I mention that Moses had a short fuse? So did Peter. And God used every single one of them don't you tell this preacher from making Georgia that God can't use you he can use anybody who says God I'm committed to being faithful let me tell you friends God is worth it he's worth every bit of it you see Daniel was committed committed commitment says I will do it he was committed to a purpose number one number two he was committed to a person that was God number three I love this he was committed to praise chapter 6 verse 3 go with me to our original text if you will chapter 6 verse 3 Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, here it is, because an excellent spirit was in him. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe if Daniel had a job, it would be at Chick-fil-A. I'm convinced of it. He would be Mr. My Pleasure. I mean, you'd pull up and Daniel would be the guy that would just be the the guy that looked like uh, our brother, Mr. Combs, just smiling when he sang. This guy had a good spirit. I've been in pastorate for a long time, 20 years at Mikado, 14 years as a youth pastor, and I've seen some pretty rough-looking people. I'm not talking about people who, who, who may have sin all over their life. I'm talking about people who've been saved, born again, and have no joy. The joy of the Lord is your say it. Your strength uh, doesn't mean that you and I aren't going to go through a trial. doesn't mean that we're not going to have heaviness. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have a tribulation. But through that, God gives me the peace that passes all understanding. And it doesn't make sense sometimes. But that's where joy comes from. It comes from God. You may have heard of the guy. <laughs> he, had a, he was a farmer and he had an incredibly negative neighbor. Incredibly negative. If, if it was uh, sunny outside and these guys farmed, you know, thousands of acres of crops, and if it was sunny outside, he would go to his negative neighbor and said, man, look at this sun. It is gorgeous. Isn't God good? And the negative neighbor would say, yeah, but if it keeps on sunning like this, it's going to scorch everything. The next day, man, it would be raining, you know, and, and, and the, negative, the, the positive farmer would go to the negative neighbor and he would say, hey, look at this rain. Aren't you thankful God sent rain? And he said, yeah, but if it keeps on raining, our crops are going to flood. He said, man, what can I do to get this guy to be positive? So he took him out duck hunting. They jumped into the boat. Sure enough, the the negative uh, farmer and the positive farmer, they jumped into the boat. He got a shotgun. The positive farmer did. He had it across his lap. He had his Labrador retriever in the front of the boat there. And sure enough, two ducks fly over. He takes his shotgun. He pulls two triggers there on the double barrel. Two ducks fall down. That Labrador retriever jumps out of the boat. And by the way, the man had trained the dog walk on water amazing feet that dog jumped out of that boat and sure enough he goes walks across the top of that water he grabs both ducks he brings them back into the boat and the positive farmer says man I got this guy he can say nothing negative he says what do you think of my dog he said the only thing that was was wet on him was the bottom of his paws that's it positive guy says well what do you think of my dog negative guy says can't swim can he (laughs) now let me tell you friends I hope a guy like that doesn't go to River City Baptist Church because if you purpose in your heart like Daniel to have praise and you're faithful to praise no matter what happens you're gonna praise God no matter what comes down the pipe you're gonna say God you got a purpose for this Daniel was committed commitment says I will do it but there's a second 
I believe, requirement for faithfulness. It's not only commitment, because you and I can be committed until we're blue in the face. Number two, it's consistency. Consistency says, I will do it over and over again. It's not just saying, okay, I commit to something, I'm going to do it. No, I commit to do something over and over and over and over and over again. By the way, you're going to have church on Sunday, on Wednesday here, I guess. You're going to have church on Sunday, and until Jesus comes, this place is going to st still have services, right? So you know what? Commitment says, I'm going to go over and over again. I make a decision. Consistency says, I do it continually. You say, did Daniel do that? You've got to look at Scripture. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was, say the next word, faithful. Chapter 6, verse 16. Then the king commanded, they brought Daniel, cast him in the den of lions, and here's what the king says. The king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God, I love this, whom thou servest continually. In other words, Daniel, you are doing something over and over and over and over again. I challenged our church on Sunday. I preached on the, 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 the folks uh, that uh, had leprosy and 10 lepers and only one of them came back to thank him. Next week is the sequel on Where Are the Nine. I left that uh, out on purpose. I challenged our church on Sunday and I had them raise their hands. I said, folks, I said, I, I'm going to make this challenge for me and my wife, Lisa, because I don't do it like I should. But how many of you will make a commitment to say something verbally to somebody else, either you, if your husband or wife, you're married, or if you don't have anybody at your home, you're going to call out to God and say it. But every day, you're going to say to God something you're thankful for. And here's where, where the kicker is. For the rest of your life. Not just this week. We're good at little weak things. We're good at weak gym memberships. We're good at weak commitment to do push-ups. We're good at weak tithing. We're good at, we, but no, I mean over and over and over again. That's faithfulness. You say, how do you know Daniel was faithful? Because of verse 10. They make a decree that you're not to bow down to any other God. And what does he do? Verse number 10, he gets on his knees, he opens his windows toward Jerusalem, and he prays just like he did before. You say, preacher, it was tough. Yeah, it was very tough. Somebody made a sculpture of Jesus, and a guy had made this beautiful sculpture of Jesus, and he brought, put the, 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 you know, the sheets over it when he was done for the big reveal. And he brought a couple of his friends over, and he said, hey, I want to show you. I just did this sculpture of Jesus, and he pulled the sheets off, and Jesus is bent over like this. And the guy says, what do you think? And he says, his friend said, well, it's really great, but you can't see his face. The guy said, if you want to see his face, you got to get on your knees. Oh, Let me tell you, friend, if you want to see God's face, it's not just talking and preaching. It's not just, it's, it's, it's realizing there's a God who's worth talking to and praying to and living for and loving because he cares about us. And here's Daniel. He knows because he's in leadership. He's in upper leadership. He knows the law. And yet his God is so important. Consistency and faithfulness is so important to him that no matter what's happening, he's going to do it. My son Scott is 31 years old now. He's a youth pastor in Lakeland, Florida. And I never forget the times that uh, we had a, a weight bench on the back porch and Scott would come up to me and he said, hey, daddy, can you spot me? Now, you weight lifters know what I'm talking about. That means you stand behind a guy on the bench so that when he can't lock his arms anymore, that you're there to help him so he doesn't crush himself with a bar. Well, my son got up there. He's about 16 years old now. He gets out there and he's got just the bar sitting on the, the rails there and the two little things there. He's just got the bar. The bar weighs, weighs about 10 or 15 pounds. He says, all right, dad, can you spot me? He's got just the bar. I said, okay, son, yeah. So he slays back there on the, on the, on the, on the, uh, the bench there, and he, he's got just the bar. On the bench there, you know, he gets back, and he's making sure that he gets his hands perfectly apart from each other, you know, and, and he's ready to psych himself out, you know, and I can start to see the blood vessels start to get big on his face because he's ready to lift just the bar. You say, preacher, that'd be absolutely crazy. Yeah, unless he did about 1,000 reps, it ain't going to do any good. But you slap some 50s on there. And you slap some 25s and some 15s and some 10s and some 5s. And you lock those collar stays down on both ends. And that's what my son did. And buddy, when he has all that weight on there, and then he says, Daddy, will you spot me? And he's serious as he lifts that weight. And I can see those blood vessels just about to pop on the top of his head. You say, Preacher, what are you getting out? Don't you miss this. Pressure makes you stronger. 
Proverbs 28.10, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And so when you and I go through a trial like Daniel did, instead of just saying, God, I want to give up on you, realize it's a time for God to show himself strong in your life. It's not a time to bail. It's a time to keep sailing. You see, faithfulness requires consistency. And yet I've done the same thing you have. Just as I am without one plea. Man, I've heard those songs my whole life. I'm a preacher's kid, a missionary kid to South America. But that thy blood was shed for me. And I come up here and I, I can't tell you how many times I've kneeled, knelt and made a decision and said, God, I'm not going not gonna to have the problem with my thought life. God, I, I give it over to you. God, I'm, I, I don't want to look at this anymore. God, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to deal with impatience, God. And yet over and over and over again, I failed my God. And I'm thankful for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But friends, you can't use that verse as a spare tire and, and, and just say, I'm going to run over nails on purpose. The spare tire in the back of your car is there in case you have a flat, not so you can have a flat. And 1 John 1, 9 is there, not so you can sin, but in case you sin. And I'm telling you, I've wondered to myself, God, how do you feel about Rusty Smith? Yes, I preach the word of God every week, but so many times in my life, I'm just not consistent. And God has whipped me over and over again, whipped me if we could say and said, Smith, you can be faithful if you simply obey me in my word and stay walking in the spirit. Friends, it can happen. Commitment says, I will do it. Consistency says, I will do it over and over again. February 2nd, 2012 was probably the worst day of my personal life. I'm almost 57 years old. You have your stories, I have mine. I received a phone call. I was doing TurboTax on the, on the computer, and I was hoping to keep the green line green, if you're familiar with TurboTax, and I didn't want the red one to be there. And green means you're getting money back. And so I'm doing that, and my wife hands me the phone, and I see my, my iPhone go off. It's my sister-in-law, and... Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, I ignore it. She calls again immediately. Lisa hands me the phone, and I could hear my sister-in-law screaming on the other end. And she screamed, Sean's dead. Sean is my 44-year-old brother, very successful. He was a Genentech pharmaceutical salesman, lived in Atlanta, owned three horses, three horses, three houses, uh, no horses, lived on the golf course, but a great brother. Would always take us on vacation. He had money, so he'd take us to the finest places, St. George Island on the plantation. We'd stay in a $5 million home, and he'd cover it all and pay for it all. I still to this day wonder why God took him for that reason. It's a selfish reason. We tried to figure out what went wrong. My brother had just won the night before. They were at, 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 in Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada. I went and visited the same place where my brother died recently. And it was in the Venetia Hotel there on the main strip. And the, 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 they had a, a day the next day where, where nobody was really doing anything as far as it was a free day. There was 4,500 employees from Genentech there at the convention. My brother, is, again, had just won all these accolades. He made a video the night before. I have the video. Nobody missed my brother because there was nothing to miss. Nobody was supposed to be together. And the maid walks in the room at 3 o'clock p.m. in the hotel, beautiful hotel, and sees two feet between the beds. And it's my brother. He'd been laying there 15 hours. Nobody missed him. When I saw him in the open casket, he didn't even look like my brother. I don't even know why we had open casket. But I preached the funeral it was a huge, huge Southern Baptist church in Atlanta, six or 700 people there, as many were watching online, many Genentech employees there. And, and, I, and I, I told him, I said, you know what? I said, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm a Christian, I, but I don't understand why God did this. I trust him. I understand it. God, God sees, all we see in the puzzle of life is the pieces. God sees the puzzle completed. We just have to trust him and we tried to figure out, okay, what were my brother's last few moments like? And we wish we could reconstruct it. I wish we could find out. And then somebody thought, why don't you look at his iPad? And they did. My sister-in-law, Valerie, looked at my brother's iPad and at 11.57 p.m. at a Venetian hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada, my brother did a Google search of three words. Heart attack. before he could click on the link. He was in heaven. You say, why was he in heaven? Because there was a time in his life when he admitted he was a sinner. 
He believed by faith even though he never saw Jesus Christ, just like you never saw George Washington, and neither did I, but I believe he existed. He never saw Jesus on that cross, but he believed by faith Jesus took his sins away, the sins of the world, who anybody who would call on him. My brother put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and called on him. The thief on the cross simply said, Lord, remember me. I mean, you think about that. He's on the cross there, and he dies and goes immediately into heaven because of the wonderful forgiveness of an almighty God. I told him at that funeral, I said, you know, I'm a big Braves fan, big golf fan. And I said, you know what, if John Smoltz walked down this aisle today, John Smoltz was a phenomenal pitcher. He's now an announcer for Fox News. Many of you have heard him on the World Series, Go Braves. But anyway, a little subliminal there. And uh, John, John Smoltz, walked, if he walked down the aisle and said, hey, you know, I told him that day, if he walked down the aisle and, and I said, hey, John, how you doing? Because I know what he looks like. He didn't know who I am. He would say, hey, Rusty, because he's a nice, nice guy. I know a lot about John Smoltz, but I don't know John Smoltz. But I told him if Tom Glavin walked down the aisle and John Smoltz was already up here, and Tom Glavin said, hey, John, it's a different ball game because they know one another. They've sat in a dugout together. They played golf together. They know their families. They have spent time together, and they don't just know about each other. They know each other. And I told the group that day, I'm not asking today if you know about God. The devils know about God. Do you know him? And friend, I'm here tonight to tell you that Jesus Christ saves. And he can radically change your life no matter what you've done. We have a men's home in our church. And every single service, there are 30 men. They are tatted up all over the place. They got earrings coming out of places you never thought of having earrings. These guys, man, sit on the front row and they're like sponges because God has changed them. Drug addicts, guys who are messed up. And God has changed them. And they're saying amen and praise the Lord. Why? Because they've seen the radical power of a faithful guy. Question, has he changed you? not he can faithfulness I'm telling you friends it requires commitment commitment says I'll do it consistency says I'll do it over and over again but there's a third thing it requires a cost you see because Daniel realized faithfulness not only says I will do it I will do it over and over again but I'll do it over and over again no matter what happens no matter what happens in my life. Verse number 16, you know the story. The Bible says, then the king commanded, they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. Friends, he lost his freedom. He lost his privileges. He lost everything that he had on this earth because he was about to be cast into the lions and, and it was going to be death for him. No question about that. But he was willing to say, my God and serving him is worth it. I'm going to be faithful no matter what comes my way. What has caused you? throw in the towel it's committed number two it may cost you your finances you think of him he lost his position his power his pension he was stripped why because being faithful to his God was more important than anything else and I tell our people in our church thank God for good jobs and thank God for people you never could support the work of the Lord but the bottom or your families but the bottom line is those jobs will fail let me tell you friends they won't they won't satisfy but Jesus Christ will and if you'll keep him first in your life and faithful and I'm talking about giving and tithing and he didn't tell me to say that and giving to the building program you will see God and I'm not talking about prosperity gospel you will see God do things in your life that you've never seen before. Why? Because being faithful to him is more important than anything. You see, requirements for faithfulness. Commitment. I will do it. Consistency. I'll do it over and over again. Cost. I'll do it over and over again. No matter what happens. Some of you have given up on reading your Bible. Some of you, and I'll just be honest with you, I'm a preacher. I get paid to preach. I get paid to study the Bible. But you know what? I don't read 50 chapters a day. You know what I do personally? I read one chapter. Sometimes I don't even get through a chapter. It's all I do. You know why? Because what I'm looking for is some nugget of truth that will help me and consistency in my life. Quit making studying the Bible so hard. It's not just get in it. You know, we, we talked to our staff this morning and said, why is the Old Testament so much harder to understand than the New Testament? And I asked our, 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 our staff members, we gave answers for that. Man, let me tell you, jump in the book of Proverbs. That's great and practical, guys. It'll keep you from the wicked woman, Proverbs 6, 7, 8, 9. It'll keep you. It'll protect you. Get in the New Testament. And nothing wrong with the Old Testament. Just get in the Word. You see, be faithful. 
But you know what? God is so good, I close with this. Not only does God say there's requirements, but number two, there's rewards. God always takes care of his people. You say, what are some of the rewards? Well, number one I wrote down, contentment. You talk about contentment. I believe that Daniel had, number one, he had peace. You say, how do you know that Daniel had peace? Because he never would have prayed and opened his windows towards Jerusalem and talked to God as he did before if he didn't know one of two things. Number one, he knew that if he didn't make it in the den of lions, I'm going to heaven, can't wait, going to see Jesus. He didn't even know about Jesus. Can't wait. The bottom line is, don't threaten me with heaven. He knew that if he didn't survive the lion's den, that he would go to heaven. That's why he had peace. That's why he prayed. Number two, he knew that if he did survive, he would be on flannel graph boards across America in Sunday school classes. Here's Daniel and the lion den. Some of you don't even know what a flannel graph board is, but some of us old people do. You say, what are you talking? Man, there's peace when you do what's right. There is peace when you're faithful. There's peace when you say no to sin. There's peace when you get victory. Guys, there's peace when you don't take the second look. There's peace. Why? Because you know, with God's help, I can do it. I think number two, he had protection. We know that. The Bible says in chapter 6, verses 20 and 21, then the king arose very early, verse 19, in the morning, went and hastened to the den of lions. When, the king, when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the, from the, from the uh, lions? And I was a youth pastor, as I said. I still enjoy having a good time. Ask Brian, your pastor. I still enjoy laughing and, and joking and sometimes pranking. My wife have to tell me, Rusty, remember you're a pastor now, okay? You're 50-something years old. And uh, anyway, if I was Daniel, I would have made that king sweat just a little bit longer. And I would have hid behind one of those lions and I'd have said, don't say a word, boy. Keep it quiet. But you know what he does? He says, king, live forever. Why do you say that to a guy who threw you in the den of lions? Because he realized his king was greater than that king. His king took care of him. He had peace. He had protection. Number three, he had provision. You say, what do you mean? Chapter 6, verse 28. So this Daniel prospered. Let me tell you, friends, the Bible has a great verse. It's Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. We went to Burger King for lunch on Sunday, the great Burger King in Macon, Georgia. And uh, Lisa and I couldn't figure out where to go eat. Guys, you ever been there? You're just going back and forth. And I finally said, honey, I make decisions my whole life. Would you please make a decision about where we're going to eat? So she chose Burger King. Anyway, so we go to Burger King, and I had a Fanta orange. And uh, man, let me tell you, friends, here's what my wife did. She took her drink, and I think she had a Diet Dr. Pepper. She took her drink at the little thing there, drank some of it, and then got some more. Anybody ever done that? I mean, she filled it to the top. That's the word abound. A faithful man shall abound, be filled to the top with blessings. It doesn't mean you're going to have six gazillion dollars in the bank. I met with a guy the other day, and I just did a little research on Bitcoin. Let me tell you, friends, oh, my goodness. Do you realize that in 2010, this is sidetracking big time, but in 2010, that if you had invested $1,000, this is true, in Bitcoin, $1,000, that as of yesterday, and yesterday it was at $67,000 a coin, that you would be worth $15.6 million just 11 years later with $1,000 invested. I told that to a, an investor in our church. I said, man, why didn't you tell me that? And this is what he said. Never forget it. He said, you'd probably not be the man you are today. Abound with blessings doesn't mean you're going to get rich quick. It means you're going to have joy and peace that is unspeakable and full of glory. Let me tell you, friend, he had contentment. Number two, and I've got to hurry, I believe the second reward is a crown. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 talks about striving for masteries, yet is he not crowned. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 talks about an incorruptible crown. I believe, my friend, that if you and I are faithful, that there is a crown for faithful people, and we'll take that crown and put it right back where it's deserved to be at Jesus' feet. There is a crown for faithfulness. That may not mean much to us right now, but let me tell you, in heaven one day, it'll be worth it. Number three, the last reward, I believe, for faithfulness is a commendation.
My dad sent an email to me. My parents are both in the church. My mom and dad are 80 and 79. My wife's parents go to our church. They're 93 and 92. So I have both sets of family members still in our church. And uh, so pray for me. But anyway, and uh, so anyway, we're, 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 uh, my dad sent me an email not too long ago, and this is before they moved to our church. And this is what he said. He said, Rusty, he said, I want you to know that I'm proud of you. That's all he said. Do you know that I have a file in my office, Pastor Brian, and all it says, it's just a simple file, and it says kindness. And anybody that writes a letter like that, it goes into my kindness file. Because one day, when the Lord takes me, if he does that before the trump sounds, I want my family to be able to look and say, hey, there were people who reached out and encouraged your daddy, your husband. You know what? I believe that commendation is so important in life. I love what John Maxwell said. He said, everybody wants to be affirmed. Everybody wants that. Everybody, as I started the message, wants a pat on the back. Amen. My mom, I went to Tennessee Temple University from 1982 to 1987. My, my, my major was a, a business. I wanted to make money, date pretty girls, and, and you know, to be very, very successful in the world's eyes. And God got a hold of me and changed it to pastoral studies. So I went four to five years. Anyway, every single day... Every single day, my mom wrote to box TK1125, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404. My mom wrote me every day for five years. You say you're a mama's boy. I will meet you out back, and we will scrap big time. I'm not a mama's boy, but I wouldn't trade that for anything. David Ring has cerebral palsy. Some of you have seen David Ring on television. I may not sound like him, but I'm going to try. Here's what he says. When God pulls me out of the oven, I want him to say, well done. Let me tell you, I like that. You know, because everybody wants a commendation. And I believe God's going to give a commendation for those who not, are not incredibly talented. Those who may not be able to speak because you're scared half to death. Those who can't sing like the Combs family, but like our theme for 2022 at Mikado. And our church doesn't even know it. It's 1 Corinthians that says, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God uses the weak things to confound the wise. And our theme for next year is ordinary people. That's who God uses. So quit saying God will never use me. He can use you if you're faithful. Interesting story is shared in 1 Samuel chapter 30 concerning faithfulness. King David and his man, you know the story. Some of you are away at, are away at battle. And, and as they're away at battle, the... While they're away, the foes came in. They lay the city of Ziklag in ashes. When the men returned, they, they took their sons and their daughters. And, and when the men returned, they were so overwhelmed with grief, the Bible says they wept until they couldn't weep anymore. I've had people in my office before who were cried out. They couldn't shed another tear. These men wept until they couldn't weep anymore. And so David says, okay, boys, we're going to go get them. So David goes and he takes uh, uh, 600 men, probably the best of the best, the Navy SEALs, the guys who are the, the most incredible warriors. He says, okay, you 600 come with me and we're going to go and get everything back that's ours, our wives, our children, everything. And so when they get to the brook Besor, 200 of the guys are so tired that David says, okay, guys, you stay here and mind the Samsonite luggage and the 400 of us are going on. 400 of them go on. They have a spoil that's incredible. They get all the kids, they get all the wives, and they bring back the spoils. The 400 guys says, all right, they can have their wives, they can have their kids, but we're not sharing the spoils with them. And David says something that is absolutely incredible concerning faithfulness. He says, as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarried by the stuff. You know what he said? Not everybody can be a warrior, but everybody can be faithful at their job. I'm a big sports fan. I close with this. My favorite illustration I've ever told in my entire life of preaching is what I'm telling you. Still makes the ESPN highlight reels. It's a story of a football game, Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. It's the ice bowl. Dallas, Green Bay is, is at, the, uh, at the line there, and uh, if they scored, it's fourth down. If they scored, they're going to the Super Bowl. If Dallas holds them, then Dallas is going to the Super Bowl. It's a phenomenal feat as these guys are all lined up. Famous people there are playing the game. 
And all of a sudden, one of the most famous, play, famous coaches of all, Vince Lombardi, calls a timeout. He calls his quarterback over, Bart Starr. He says, Bart, he says, this is the play. This is what we're going to do. And then Bart goes back to the huddle. And as he starts to go back, uh, Vince Lombardi calls him back. And he says, here's what I want you to do. You tell Jerry Kramer that this play rides on his shoulders. <laughs> Bart went back and he told Jerry Kramer exactly what Vince Lombardi said gave the play. In fact, Dallas Cowboys said that we knew exactly where the ball was going because you could see it in Jerry Kramer's eyes. He was giving it away. He said they hiked the ball. And sure enough, Bart Starr went through the middle there. Jerry Kramer, uh, Kramer blocked a hole that a Mack truck could drive through. Bart Starr goes into the end zone. And man, there is pandemonium at Green Bay Stadium. I mean, they are screaming. They are yelling. And Bart Starr is at the bottom of the pile. He says, I'm making my way out of that. I'm trying to get out. He said, and when I get out, I get out of that. He said, they have... Let me rewind the tape because I just messed up the most important part. And I was really into that. I've never done that before. That was happened when you get 57. Jerry Kramer's at the bottom of the pile. Bart Starr goes through the middle. I knew I was saying something wrong there. So don't miss it. All right, let's rewind the tape, start over again. Could you do that on Facebook Live, if you will? Just edit that part. <laughs> anyway, and so Jerry Kramer's at the bottom of the pile. He, he knows that he's made the block, okay? He says, I'm at the bottom. He says, I'm trying to get up. All of these guys, you know, are all around me. I'm trying to get up. He says, and when I finally get up, he says, these guys have Bart Starr on their shoulders, much like crowd surfing somebody, and everybody in, around me are yelling, Bart, 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 Bart. He said, wait a minute. He said, I made the hole. He said, I was ticked. He said, we're going to the Super Bowl, and I'm mad. He said, I started walking to the sidelines. He said, and then I saw him, my coach. He said, Vince Lombardi had his arms folded, and he was waiting to catch my eye. He said, as soon as he caught my eye, he said, my coach did one thing I'll never forget. He did this. He said, all of a sudden, the one that mattered saw what I did. He said, I started going back to that, that pile of people. And I started yelling, Bart, Bart, Bart. <laughs> Let me tell you, friend, wouldn't it be awesome if one day when the popcorn cups are rustling through the stands and the concession stand is shut down and the lights are off in the stadium and life is over, wouldn't it be awesome if the one that matters saw what you did? Jesus Christ on the stage playing field called earth and he gives you the thumbs up because the one that mattered saw what you did I'm here to tell you friends he will if in your life faithfulness matters father I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to 